how did it happen again? Well, I was driving down the freeway on my way to work watching this old Betty Grable movie. Watching and, uh, an old Betty Grable movie? Yeah, a little portable TV. I had it sitting up there in the dashboard. I know. All but of a sudden, this commercial comes on. The guy in a white coat says, now watch this amazing demonstration. And? I watched. Next thing I knew, pow! Look, you can't watch television commercials while you commute. I found that out. You can't read a newspaper. No. The only thing you could do while you're driving is listen to the radio. Yeah, well, that's all I intend to do, boy, just as soon as I get out of traction. Who listens to radio? Only 150 million people. The program originally canceled for this time will now be heard. Better McGee and Molly. From Hollywood, the Raleigh Cigarette Program, starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose, and his orchestra, our singing star, Anita Ellis, Verna Felton, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGee, and Dick Ryan, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. <laughs> The Columbia Broadcasting System presents a new comedy. My friend Irma. Starring Marie Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane with John Brown as Al. Quiet, quiet, please. Hello. Hey everyone, this is OTR Rob, welcoming you to another edition of Favorite McGee and Molly. This episode is from May 25th, 1948, and Molly has a toothache. Let's change the subject. Good idea, good idea. Get your mind off it. Yes. Let's talk about something else entirely. Good. Oh, I'm sorry, Molly. I didn't mean to talk about it. I, I didn't mean to make you uncomfortable. Excuse me, I'm sorry. And what be your thoughts about that, Fibber? How long you had this toothache? <laughs> oh, off and on all day. Hardly felt it most of the time, though. Oh? For a while this morning, I lost it entirely. I was listening to Fred Waring on the radio. Isn't he wonderful? You said it. My gosh, Snooky, we can't get Waring to play all day for you, you know. Well, the Johnson's Wax people did better than that. They got him to play all summer for them. Oh. <laughs> now, not a word to whoever this is about my toothache, McGee. I want to forget it. <laughs> it's a deal. So enjoy this episode of Fibber, McGee, and Molly, and I'll be back with Red Skelton. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber, McGee, and Molly. <laughs> of Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. Fibber and Molly join us in a moment. The best way to bring out the beauty of your wood floors is to use Johnson's Paste Wax. And the best way to polish paste wax is to use a Johnson Electric Floor Polisher. And ladies, here's good news. You can now rent one from your neighborhood dealer by the day, and at a very low cost. A Johnson Electric Polisher takes the hard work out of floor polishing. Its fast-spinning brush does all the buffing automatically as you guide the polisher across the floor. It's that simple. Yes, with a Johnson Electric Polisher, floor polishing is done in one-tenth the time it used to take. And, of course, you know how easy a glowing coat of hard, gleaming wax will be to keep clean. 
An occasional light dusting does the job. So ask your dealer about renting a Johnson electric polisher by the day. Or you can have one for your very own. The price is $44.50. Rent or buy. Either way, you'll find a Johnson electric polisher and a can of genuine Johnson's paste wax are the perfect pair to bring out the beauty of your home. Look on the bright side, shine up the right side, bring out the beauty of the home. The world is made up of two kinds of people, men and women. Here is one of each, Fibber McGee and Molly. So this guy says to me, okay, wise guy, he says, if you know so much about politics, he says, who's going to be elected president, he says. So I takes a deep breath, looks him square in the eye and says, kind of cool and collected, I says, well, who's running? <laughs> well, he could see I had him there because by the time he named everybody that's running, it'd be way past supper time for both of us. And we'd, oh, am I boring you, kiddo? Not at all, dearie. I love to hear men talk politics. You do? Yes, they always seem so childish it brings out my motherly instincts. <laughs> uh, but I don't feel too good, McGee. I have a slight toothache. A toothache? Mm -hmm. Well, my gee whiz, baby. You can't just sit around all evening and suffer with a toothache. You know, my policy, if a tooth starts bothering you, go to the dentist and have it yanked. Well, if that's your policy, dearie, it must have lapsed right after we were married. Well, what you mean? Well, for a man who likes to sit down as much as you do... I've never seen anybody so frightened of an easy chair with a glass bowl on the arm of it. <laughs> well, my teeth are particularly sensitive. They are? Mm. Most people have a thick layer of enamel on their teeth. I was born with a thin coat of shellac. <laughs> oh, well, this isn't enough of a toothache to make a fuss about. Oh. It's more just a little touch of neuralgia. Mm. It'll go away. Okay. Let's change the subject. Good idea, good idea. Get your mind off it. Yes. Let's talk about something else entirely. Good. How long you had this toothache? <laughs> oh, off and on all day. Hardly felt it most of the time, though. Oh? For a while this morning, I lost it entirely. I was listening to Fred Waring on the radio. Isn't he wonderful? You said it. My gosh, Snooky, we can't get Waring to play all day for you, you know. Well, the Johnson's Wax people did better than that. They got him to play all summer for them. Oh. <laughs> now, not a word to whoever this is about my toothache, McGee. I want to forget it. <laughs> it's a deal. Come in. Oh, it's Mr. Wimple, McGee. Hello, Mr. Wimple. Hi, Wimp, old man. Hello, folks. <laughs> well, how's everything with you these days, Mr. Wimple? Oh, just fine, Mrs. McGee. Just keen, if I may use a slang expression. You know that sweetie face... Sweetie face? You mean... My big old wife, yes. <laughs> You know, Sweetie Face hasn't said a cross word to me for a solid week. Well, isn't that wonderful? Yes. She's been visiting her mother. <laughs> oh, I see. My goodness, I hope you two haven't quarreled. Oh, no. I've heard of fellows whose wives get mad at them and go home to their mothers and stay there. But I guess I just don't know how to work it. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know you'd miss her if she really left, Wimp. <laughs> Can't you ever be serious, Mr. McGee? <laughs> Mr. Wimple, uh, what are your plans for the summer? Oh, we have the summer all mapped out. We've got enough money saved so that one of us can go to Honolulu and the other can stay here and go to the movies twice a week. <laughs> I'll bet Sweetie Face takes the trip to Honolulu. 
Well, I must say, she's very fair about things like that, Mr. McGee. We draw straws for it. Oh, which uh, straw gets the trip to Honolulu, the long one or the short one? Whichever one Sweetie Face draws. <laughs> well, personally, I'm glad to see summer coming, with. I like summer, too. Picnics and long walks and wondering who has your umbrella. I like summer, too. Did you ever hear my poem about summertime? I call it, It Was Not My Fault. <laughs> How's it going, Wynn? It was not my fault. When I was young and my heart was gay, I had a girl whose name was May. She loved to picnic on the grass amidst the trash and broken glass with hard-boiled eggs on which to choke and ants and thorns and poison oak. One day, May sat upon a bee and leaped up screaming names at me. So my summer finished there that day, right at the very end of May. <laughs> Wasn't that bad? No, but this tooth is. Oh, well, come on, Snooky. Let me take you down to the dentist. It's too late for office hours, but I'll call him up and have him meet us there. Well, we can't do that. Why can't we? My guys are just paid him 42 bucks for fillings. That's quite an outlay for an inlay. <laughs> if I hadn't been an umpche, I'd uh, put up an Eve Bay. So don't feel you can't have him come. Oh, dear, it's Dr. Gamble. Oh, swell. He'll give you something for that tooth. No, He's no, just... no, no. Not a word to him. Please, Oh, now. but Molly, you it's gotta have... It's too trivial. Come in. Hello, Molly. Hello, Dr. Gamble. Nice to see you. Hello, gruesome. Hi, butcher boy. How's your golf game? I haven't had time to play golf since August of 1940, and you know it. What made you think the doctor was playing golf, dearie? I heard a couple of other doctors talking about him. They said he was developing a bad slice. That's professional jealousy, my boy. It is common knowledge in surgical circles that a gamble incision is short and to the point. On an appendectomy, for instance, par for the course is nine stitches. I do it in seven. Really, doctor? Seven stitches? Why, certainly he does. Have you ever seen his needlework? <laughs> My gosh, he must have studied sewing under Omar the tent maker. Now, McGee, don't talk like that to the good doctor. Well, I can't stand a guy that brags. Gee whiz, I may not be absolutely and completely perfect in every possible way myself, but if I got faults, at least I'll admit it. I'll face it. That I will say for you, my boy. Everyone at the Elks says that about you. Yeah. Oh, they do, Doctor? That McGee is not afraid to face his faults? I think that's what they mean. They always refer to him as old false face. Ah, <laughs> uh, they like me down there. Uh, look, Doctor, uh, if you don't play golf, how do you keep so fit? You must get some kind of exercise. Why shouldn't he be fit? He don't have to take those concoctions he dreams up himself. He just dishes them out. Ignoring the feeble jibe from little Big Mouth here, Molly... I usually manage to get out and play some softball on Saturday afternoons. Is that so? Yes, in fact, I'd agreed to catch for the morticians team this week, but I had to cancel it on account of the newspapers. Yeah? What have the papers got to do with it? They ran a picture of me yesterday with a caption that said, Local doctor agrees to play ball with the undertakers. <laughs> Say, I'd better go explain that to the medical board. Oh, so Billy Mills in the orchestra, and tell me a story.
that tooth give you any trouble since dinner, Molly? Oh, hardly any, dearie. I'm sure it's just a temporary little upset. Yeah. I'll put a hot water bottle on it if it gets any worse. Oh, that's no good. Why isn't it? I tried that. I had a terrible toothache once, and somebody told me to put a hot water bottle on it, and by the time I got the dad-dreaded thing in my mouth, I like to strangle myself. You put the hot water bottle in your mouth? Well, where else have I got teeth? <laughs> I had to empty the water out of it to get it in my mouth, and then when I tried to fill it up again, it, I swelled look, up so much... Look, look. Huh? Can we change the subject? Okay. When we talk about it, it hurts, and... Come in. Oh, it's the old-timer, McGee. Hello, Mr. Old-timer. Hello there, kid! <laughs> Hi, old-timer. Hey, before you say anything, let's not talk about teeth, huh? Molly's got a toothache. We want to keep off the subject. That's absolutely right, Johnny. Let her forget it. Yeah. Only way to let her forget it is to get her mind off it. Right, so let's talk about... Yes, some... sir, daughter. If you sit around brooding about that awful throbbing pain that keeps going through you like electricity... Mm. Jangling your nerves like the bell on a hook and ladder. Well, uh, stabbing at you like little hot needles. It'll hurt. Well, thank you. I remember when I was a kid, kids. We didn't have no dentist in them days, kids. No, sir. Papa used to take care of us kids' as toothaches himself. Your father? Yep. Had a very simple system, Papa did. Yeah? Whenever we'd get a toothache, he'd just tie a string to the tooth, tie the other end to a bre- brick... Got my upper plate stuck there, Johnny. Tie <laughs> the other end to a brick, I reiterate, and heave the brick out the window. Oh, I see. I remember the last tooth he pulled from me that way. The mayor sued him for $50,000. <laughs> the mayor? My gosh, what business was it of his? Well, it was this way, Johnny. Papa tied the string to a tooth, see? Yeah. Sat me down in the living room, tied a brick to the string, took it upstairs, and flang it out the second-story window. My heavenly days, what happened? Well, the string yanked me halfway up the hall steps, jammed me into the turn at the landing, and broke. Wow. Brick hit the mayor, who happened to be passing, and knocked him into the gutter cold. Two ladies from the temperance club see him laying there in the gutter and call the police. Cops chucked the mayor to the pokey, and the ladies got up a petition to throw him out of the city hall, and when he come to and got his win back, he sued Papa. <laughs> Papa got his win back first, was over the border into Mexico, where he lived happily ever after, con mucho gusto. Adios, Mogie. <laughs> My goodness, I'm glad he's gone. The more he talked about toothaches, the more my toothaches. Now, well, let's forget it now, kiddo. I won't say another word about teeth. Let's talk about the time I was in the seesaw business back in Sioux City for the... You in the seesaw business? I never told you about when I sold seesaws for the seesaw company that old man Seymour had in Sioux City. You never did. Well, baby, I will. You see, I was a senior seesaw salesman for the Seymour Seesaw Company, and I sold saws on the side. Oh. When I'd start out with a sample seesaw and a sack full of saws, I'd sell the other saw salesman silly, because I was as saucy a seesaw salesman as the other saw salesman ever saw. <laughs> Why, I could sell you a two-buck buck saw that would outsaw any buck saw you ever saw a young buck saw with, and for six bucks, I'd sell you a saw buck to saw with the buck saw on. I sold so many saws and seesaws that I got saw sick from saw selling and sea sick from seesaw selling. And between the saw selling and the seesaws, the sea sick seesaw sales, the saw sick saw sales, the buck saws and hack saws. Hey, by the bell. Come in. Hello, 
folks. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Come in. <laughs> Hi, Junior. Say, awfully sorry I'm late, kids, but I just came from a sales meeting. Well, now, you didn't have to rush over here all out of breath, Junior. We'd have made out some way, even if you didn't show up at all. Oh, I didn't want to disappoint you, pal. Disappoint us, he says. Ah, uh, gee, that was a great meeting we had tonight, what? kids. You see, our district manager always gives a short talk on some current events, some topic in the news. And tonight, he really picked us up. Yeah, what do you talk on, Junior? Politics? European affairs? Or the love life of the anchovy? <laughs> no. No, he selected as his subject, Johnson's self-polishing blow coat. Oh, McGee, you sucker. Will you ever learn to keep your... He started out by saying what pride most housewives take in the appearance of their kitchens. And how when they see their kitchen linoleum all covered with dirt and mud, makes any good housekeeper just grit her teeth. Grit her teeth. Oh. And he went on to say how tracked in dirt and dampness and spilled things can be a perfect pain in the neck. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we know, Junior. But Until, look, of I'm... course, you discover how Johnson's self-polishing glow coat protects that linoleum against dirt and dampness yeah. and makes spilled things so easy to Wipe up. Yeah, but what I'm And to because you... there's no rubbing or buffing with glow coat, yeah, you but... find that more housewives use glow coat than any other floor polish. Yeah, my... Because you can bet your back teeth, he oh, said. Oh, back teeth, oh. <laughs> yes, you can bet your back teeth that with the safe and simple protection glow coat gives your linoleum floor coverings, you're going to save a lot of the wear and tear on your nerves. Oh. That uncertainty about the appearance of your home that leaves a housewife's nerves raw at the end of the day. Oh. <laughs> Junior, please, look. And Molly's... in conclusion, in conclusion, he pointed out one thing. Hey, hey, look, Waxy. Yes, pal? May I point out one thing in conclusion? Why, sure, pal. What? The door. Oh, good night. <laughs> You know, as much as I like that kid, sometimes he gets on my nerves a little. Nerves? Oh! <laughs> hey, you didn't hardly open your mouth while Junior was here, Molly. You usually help me annoy him a little bit. Well, I was afraid if I did, I'd scream. Yeah? No use kidding myself any longer, dearie. This tooth is killing me. Oh, gee whiz, kiddo. I wish you'd let me took you to the dentist while he was still open. Look, you sit down here. I'll run upstairs and get some aspirin out of the medicine chest. I looked a while ago. We haven't any aspirin. Well, I'll call Kramer's drugstore. Uh-oh. Kramer closes at 10 o'clock. What time is it? 11.30. Oh. Well, give me the phone. I'll call Kramer at home and have him run down there, open up, grab some aspirin, run over here with it. I tried that. There's no answer. Uh, I guess I'm stuck with it until morning, dear. Oh, no, you're not, baby. Leave everything to me. I'll get you some aspirin. Where? At Kramer's drugstore. It's closed. I'll open it. I can get in. Oh, no. Oh, yes. I'll sneak up the alley. I'll jimmy the door. Oh, no. I don't need aspirin. I feel better. Yes. I've, I'm going with you. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Kingsmen and their recently recorded hit, Pecos Bill. Now, Pecos Bill was quite a cowboy down in Texas, and a western superman to say the least. He was the roughest, toughest critter, never known to be a quitter, cause he never had no fear for man or beast. So yippee-i-a-i-a, yippee-i-o, for the toughest critter west of the Alamo. Once a band of rustlers stole a herd of cattle. Wanted steak. But they didn't know the herd they stole was Bill. Big mistake. And when he caught them crooked villains, Pecos knocked out all their fillings. That's the reason why there's gold in them thar hills. So yippee-i-a-i-a, yippee-i-o, for the toughest critter west of the Alamo. Pecos lost his way. 
while traveling on the desert. It was ninety miles across the burning sand. He knew he'd never make the border if he didn't get some water. So he took a stick and dug the Rio Grande. Critter west of the Alamo. <laughs> While a tribe of painted Indians did a war dance, Pico started shooting up their little game. He gave them engines such a shake up that they jumped up from their makeup. That's the way the painted desert got its name. So yippee I For the toughest critter west of the Alamo. So yippee alley, kiddo. This is an alley. To the back door now. Right up to the back door of the drugstore. McGee. Huh? I don't feel quite right about breaking into Mr. Kramer's drugstore. Uh, I was always taught that burglary was rude. Oh, my gosh. We tried to get Kramer on the phone, didn't we? Why don't he stick to business? Business? My goodness, it's after 12.30 midnight. Well, is that our fault? Let's be logical about this thing. Oh, here we are. Here we are. Hadn't we ought to case the joint before we stick a shiv in the watchman and swag the hijack? Huh? Or hijack the heist? Uh, no. Or, oh. take, take it easy now. Take it easy, baby. First thing I gotta do is disconnect the burglar alarm. If that thing ever starts clanging, we'll be up to our clavicles and harness bulls. How does it happen you know so much about disconnecting burglar alarms? <laughs> I sat right there on the top of that very trash can and watched the guy install it. I told him at the time that any thief that couldn't get past that alarm with a bobby pin and a burnt match wasn't worth his... Ah, there we are. Burglar alarm is off. Look on that nail to your left there, kiddo. Under the windowsill. That's it. That's where Kramer keeps his extra key. Here you are. Yeah. With the key so handy and the alarm so easy to shut off, I don't know why Mr. Kramer even bothers to close the door, much less lock it. <laughs> well, if he didn't, the place would be full of flies in the morning. <laughs> ah, there we are. Okay, Snooky. After you. Go on in. Mr. Kramer must have been expecting somebody to break in. He left a light on. Anna, let me see. Where does he keep the aspirin tablets? Make yourself an ice cream soda, kiddo, while I kind of snoop around. Ice cream on this, too? Yeah. McGee, how can you even suggest such a thing? Oh, let's see here in this drawer razor blades, toothbrushes, soda mints, inner tubes, wearing blenders, glow coat, bicycle clips. Oh, oh, heavenly days, what's that? It's the burglar alarm. Come on, let's beat it. I thought you shut it off. I did. I told you that guy didn't know how to install a burglar alarm. Won't even stay turned off. Hey, we better scram. I ain't even found the aspirin yet, Mom. Never mind the aspirin. Let's take a powder. Yeah. McGee, I hear a siren. Oh, so do I. It's the police, McGee. It's yeah. the police. Let's get out of here. What the... All right, here they are, Needham. Go watch the front door, Lewis. All right, you two, get them up and keep them up. Frisk them, Brorby. 
There, you lay a hand on me, you big lugan, and I'll take off me slipper and hammer your pointed little head full of French heel prints. <laughs> Give me back my pocketbook. Yeah, now, look here, Buster. All three of you guys. I can explain this. A guy that's a friend of mine owns this drugstore, see? Oh, sure, and your wife had a toothache, and you just busted in to get a couple of aspirin tablets. Exactly. How on earth did you guess that, officer? Oh, brother, how corny can they get? All right, bring them along, Barbie. Hey, cut that out. Oh, wait a minute. You Don't can't you push me like that. You can't take me to any place. You can't take me to jail. <laughs> bad for you, McGee. We've called everybody you suggested. So far, we haven't found anybody home. I don't know what this country's coming to when a guy's friends can't stay home and answer the phone when he gets in a jam. Well, personally, I'm tired of the whole argument. Just show us to our rooms, officer. I'm sleepy. Doggone it, this is ridiculous. There must be somebody in Whistle Vista that knows me and will vouch for me. Both? <laughs> You'll have to admit this is a pretty silly story of yours, folks. If you only had some evidence that you were in there. Here's somebody says he knows the drugstore burglars, Chief. We are not a drugstore burglar. No. We never stole a drugstore in our whole life. Oh, heavenly days, it's Mr. Williams, the weatherman, McGee. Foggy, old man, pal. Hi, friend. Look, here's what happened, Foggy. Molly had a toothache, see? Uh, yes, and... yes, I heard all about it, McGee. Oh? Chief, I'll take the responsibility for these people's release. You mean this fellow's an honest, decent, law-abiding citizen, Mr. Williams? Am I under oath? <laughs> no. Then, yes, he is. Uh, may we go now, officer? Please do. Thanks, bud, and if we never see you again, we can wait. Likewise, citizen. <laughs> oh, my, you'll never know how we appreciate this, Mr. Williams. My goodness, McGee had them call Dr. Gamble, Mr. Kramer, Mr. Wilcox, and everybody. Oh, it's quite all right, Mrs. McGee. I had just got to bed, although I was not yet asleep. I had been studying quite late. Studying? Yes. Hmm. Yes, I'm doing some research on the basic causes of typhoons, hurricanes, and tornadoes. And I think I've found the answer. Heavenly no. days, Mr. Williams. That's marvelous. You'll be famous. You mean you've discovered the causes for tornadoes, typhoons, and hurricanes? I think so, yes. Oh? What is it? Wind. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll ask you to keep the information confidential until I check into it a little further. Just ordinary wind. <clears throat> Can I drop you someplace? No, thanks, Foggy. They brung our car along to the station, wanted to check the trunk compartment for hot merchandise and dead bodies. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, kid. Not at all. Good night. Probably. Good night, Mr. Williams. <laughs> Oh, thank goodness that's over. Yeah, well, here's the car. Get into it. How's the toothache now? Well, it's all gone. Lost in the excitement, I guess. Uh, I knew I could cure it one way or another. Well, you certainly... McGee, you turned the wrong way. No, I didn't. Kramer's Drugstore is on Oak Street at 14th. But why Kramer's Drugstore? My toothache is gone. I don't need any aspirin. Well, I do. I got a headache. <laughs> 
<laughs> Keep an eye out for the cops, kiddo. I want to go There's a good way and a bad way to keep wood floors clean. If you've been scrubbing your wood floors with water, you've been doing them more harm than good. Water soaks wood, raises the grain, and dulls the surface. If you've been using Johnson's Liquid Cleaning and Polishing Wax, you've been doing it the best and the easiest way. Your floors are clean, shining, and wax-protected. You see, Johnson's Liquid Cleaning and Polishing Wax makes water scrubbing unnecessary. It's a combination of effective cleaning ingredients and genuine wax. It dry cleans and waxes your floors at the same time. With just a little buffing, your wood floors are perfectly clean and sparkling with a bright, shining luster. Just think, no more constant back-breaking scrubbing. Johnson's Liquid Cleaning and Polishing Wax does away with all that. One easy application cleans, polishes, and protects. Next time, ask your dealer for Johnson's Liquid Cleaning and Polishing Wax and enjoy the easy, modern way to clean and bring out the beauty of your home. Look on the bright side, shine up the right side, bring out the beauty of the home. Well, dearie, I'm glad they had a policeman posted at the back door of the drugstore when you went back. Me too. It took both of us to figure out how to shut off that burglar alarm. Both of you? Yeah. You mean the policeman helped you get back in there? Sure. But why? He had an earache. <laughs> Wanted me to get him a couple aspirin tablets. Have one? Yes, thank you. A pleasure. Take two, they're small. Good night. Good night, all. The makers of Johnson's Wax Products, Racine, Wisconsin, bring you Fibber McGee and Molly each week at this time. Be with us again next Tuesday night, won't you? Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Hey, everyone, this is OTR Rob welcoming you to another edition of The Red Skelton Show. This episode is from May 25th, 1948, and a new event has occurred in the Skelton household, and this is for real. Red's wife, Georgia, had a baby boy. Let's listen. From MGM Studios comes the star of the cool cigarette program, Red, my son, my son, Skelton. Thank you very much, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Rod, let's hurry and get to the funny stuff. I got another mouth to feed now. <laughs> well, Red, I want to congratulate you and Georgia on the arrival of your new son, Richard Freeman Skelton, last hey. Thursday. Uh, tell me, is he cesarean? Hmm? Is he a cesarean? Oh, he's Irish, like we are. <laughs> hey, you know, I don't want to sound like a typical father, but my kid's different from any other boy in the world. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, you we don't. Know, yeah. You don't know. Look. He wasn't delivered by a stork. No. Willie the penguin brought it. <laughs> I'm proud of that. 
Hey, did you know that Bob Hope inferred that I was a ham tonight? No, I didn't. Well, I'm not a ham. Hams can be cured. <laughs> Red Skelton Program, brought to you by Cool Cigarettes. Say smoke a cool and you will see how refreshing cools can be. Switch from hot to Cool cigarettes for that clean, cool taste in your mouth. As Willie the Penguin says, smoke, cool. smoke, cool. smoke. Cool. From Hollywood, the Cool Cigarette Program, starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose, and his orchestra, our singing star, Anita Ellis, Verna Felton, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGee, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. From MGM Studios comes the star of the Cool Cigarette Program, Red, my son, my son, Skelton. much and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Rod, let's hurry and get to the funny stuff. I got another mouth to feed now. <laughs> well, Red, I want to congratulate you and Georgia on the arrival of your new son, Richard Freeman Skelton, last hey. Thursday. Uh, tell me, is he cesarean? Hmm? Is he cesarean? Oh, he's Irish, like we are. <laughs> hey, you know, I don't want to sound like a typical father, but my kid's different from any other boy in the world. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, you we don't. Know, yeah. You don't know. Look, he wasn't delivered by a stork. No. Willie the Penguin brought it. <laughs> well, I'm proud of that. <laughs> Were you nervous before the baby arrived? Uh, nervous? No, there was one fellow there. <laughs> one fellow, I said to him, I said, are you nervous? He says, no. I said, how can you rumble without music? <laughs> You didn't answer my question. Were you nervous? Yeah, I was nervous. Pacing the floor, I smoked so many cools, I had to go down the next day and have my throat defrosted. <laughs> well, tell me, does the baby look like you? Does he have red hair? What, do you think he'd have feathers? <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, his name might be Richard Freeman, but they're sure to call him Red. Won't that cause some confusion no, for you? No, but by the time he grows up, I'll be known as Gray Skelton. <laughs> You know, my wife has red hair, I have red hair, and both little babies have red hair. We'll be known as the family with a subversive head. (laughs) Just remember, you know, you're the father of a boy, but you owe it all to Georgia. That's funny. The hospital bill says I owe it all to Dr. (laughs) Red. You know, that music reminds me of the summers I used to spend on my grandfather's farm. Riding the workhorses down to the watering trough, and sneaking into the ice house to cool off, turning the crank of the old-fashioned ice cream freezer, and best of all, licking the dasher after the ice cream was made and getting that wonderful, clean, cool taste in my mouth. Ah, memories like that certainly take you back. Just as cools bring back smoking pleasure when your taste is tired of ordinary cigarettes. When you've had enough of dry, parching smokes, that's when you'll really enjoy Cools, America's most refreshing cigarette. Cools are specially blended from smooth, ripe, mellow tobaccos, rich and full-flavored. 
Even if you're a chain smoker, you'll find cools make your mouth and throat feel cool and clear. So next time you're buying cigarettes, why not make the cool, sensible choice? Smoke cools for that clean, cool taste in your mouth. And now Anita Ellis is going to sing her number especially for Richard Freeman and all of his little buddies down at St. John's Hospital in the nursery ward. Dr. Irving Leroy Rest has him on his lap, and now you kids pay attention because you've never heard this, Brahms Lullaby.
Howdy doody to you two. <laughs> mm. You seem very happy. Oh, I ain't. Then why are you smiling? I brushed my teeth this morning and forgot to take the toothbrush out of my mouth. <laughs> Pardon me for saying this, but I've never met anyone as niggers as you. Uh, and you never will, no matter what the word was you try to get out of <laughs> Well, our subject tonight is faults of relatives. Yeah. Do you have any relatives living? Yeah, but they have an awful hard time proving it. <laughs> Are you prepared to talk about relatives? Well, as far as I'm concerned, most relatives are just busybodies. They interfere with young folks in love. Oh. Love. Has someone... Uh, <laughs> has someone broken up a romance for you? Yeah, my girl's father, old man Spratt. Uh, 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 uh. We'd rather we didn't use names. All right, <laughs> then I'll use numbers. And the boys up at San Quentin will know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Well, my girl's father is a mean old fossil. Not only did he throw me out of the house, but he shoveled my footprints out of the front yard. He didn't like you? Well, I wouldn't say that, but he did. <laughs> you know, I figured he didn't like me when he invited me over to the house for tea. But that was nice of him. I thought so, too. <laughs> Until I found out it was DDT. <laughs> And then every time I sit down with my girl to pitch a little woo, I wind up in the basement pitching a little coal. Tell me, why does he dislike you so? Well, he says that uh, the only reason I come around is for free meals. How often did you dine with them? Only three times a day. <laughs> of course, I just didn't come empty-handed. I always brought my own knife and fork. <laughs> How did you happen to meet your girl? Well, wait, I'll turn a page and find out. <laughs> She was a nurse for a veterinarian, and she gave me my distemper shot. Well, there must be some reason for her father's opinions. Uh, can't you think of any logical cause? Oh, I can't think at all. My brain's overtaxed. In fact, I may get a refund from the government this year. They said they were sorry they taxed my brain. It always shows a loss each year. Hasn't her father ever liked you? Oh, yeah. When my girl first brought me home, he looked at me and she says, that's just what we need. And then he discovered I wasn't a St. Bernard. <laughs> uh, I, he even told her that I had ten toes. How do you like that? Well, that's normal. Eight on one foot? <laughs> well, he kept picking away at me until the time arrived when she didn't like me at all. She even returned my Christmas present. Look, she hardly used it. You can still see the words P and G on it. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be too upset about losing your girl. There are other fish in the sea. Hmm? There are other fish in the sea. Yeah, but who wants to go steady with a halibut? <laughs> have the next speaker. Yes, our next speaker is... Oh, no, not you again, Willie. Yeah, it's me. No pain, Willie Lumplump. <laughs> it's our Willie Lumplump, denatured boy. <laughs> well, our subject tonight is the faults of relatives. Yeah, and believe me, I'm your boy. I don't like relatives. I don't like them. They've all got the same habits. They eat like everything's free. 
right, all right, all right, all right. Well, do you have relatives visiting you now? Visiting they're living with us. Ten of them, I don't like it. <laughs> Ten people in one house? Isn't that a little crowded? Well, it was when we lived in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, well, we quit all we could afford. You see, we were veterans of three world wars. Uh-huh. Three wars. Well, I can see the First World War, the Second World War, but uh, what was the Third War? Ten people in a trailer. <laughs> now that we got an apartment, we got a little more room. Uh-huh. How large is your apartment? Oh, it's got, uh, including the kitchen. Including the kitchen. One room. <laughs> well, where do they all sleep? Well, we got 12 inner door beds. You know, every time my little nephew comes in, my wife says, don't slam the door, Junior. Grandpa's in it. <laughs> well, are they relatives on your side or your wife's side? Oh, uh, they're on her side. I got a mustard plaster on my side. <laughs> they're on my wife's side. I have to fight alone. I don't like them. Oh, boy, what chiselers, what chiselers. My brother-in-law comes in and he says, Tell me, Willie, are you going to wear your gray suit tonight? I said, Yes, I'm going to wear my gray suit tonight. <laughs> he says, Good, I'll wear the blue one. <laughs> you know, that's why I look so fat. I'm wearing ten suits of clothes, three pair of shoes, nine pair of underwear, twenty pair of socks, and two shirts. So my relatives can't wear them. <laughs> when I undress, I look like the unveiling of a wet noodle. <laughs> sound bitter. Uh, bitter but warm. <laughs> I don't like bitter people. And speaking of my mother-in-law, now there's a character for my poor daughter, she says. Why did she ever marry a no-good bum like him? <laughs> She's just like her father. She'd marry anything. <laughs> Uh, she looks like a 155 howitzer mounted on a landing barge. You know, do you know one of the reasons she can't go home? They won't let her in the Union Station? Now, get this. This will kill you. Every time she stands on the platform, the super chief takes one look at her and then sneaks back to pass the deal. <laughs> some of the other things that relatives do that irritate you? They eat like pigs and they're just as sloppy, too. Every time we have a T-bone or pork chops, they throw the bones on the kitchen floor for the dog. Well, let's consider it. Oh, it is, is it? Well, I got news for you, bub. We ain't got no dog. (laughs) Do they help with the expenses? Oh, you dreamer, you. Well, then why didn't you tell them to leave? I did. Did? Yeah, I started by dropping little hints like leaving little signs up, there's no place like home, why don't you go back to yours? I, <laughs> I left traveling folders laying around, calendars with the amount of days they've been there. Did you know I even bought hospital beds and cranked them all out of shape and then hid the cranks? <laughs> My brother-in-law slept in one bed so long he got a job as a metal a model from... <laughs> for a pretzel factory. <laughs> Hardly worth going back for. They still wouldn't leave? No, 
they wouldn't leave. They stuck around. So I said to my wife, look, you've got to make a choice. Choice. <laughs> I said, either you folks go or I go. That's the way I put it. I said, either they go or I go. Because I don't like... Well, what happened? Hmm? What happened? I don't know. What were we talking about? <laughs> relatives to leave. Yeah, I said either they got to go or I go. What happened? You know, it gets pretty lonesome living alone. <laughs> when smoking seems to dry your throat, it's time for cools to get your vote. Switch. From hots to... Cool cigarettes. When your mouth feels hot and dry from smoking too many ordinary cigarettes, that's the time to light up a cool. Cool, specially blended, finer tobaccos bring back long-lost smoking pleasure. And no matter how many cools you smoke, you'll always enjoy their cool, refreshing flavor. Switch from hots to cool cigarettes for that clean, cool taste in your mouth. Just smoke a cool and you will see how refreshing cools can be. Switch... From hots to... Cool cigarettes for that clean, cool taste in your mouth. As Willie the Penguin says, smoke... Cool. Smoke... Cool. Smoke... Cool. Dave Rose and his cool cigarette orchestra play, Where or When.
Skelton scrapbook of satire, a story entitled The Birthday Cake. Mother, where's Junior? He's outside, at large. But supposing he's playing in the street and a speeding car drives by. Do you realize what might happen? Yes. The car will get four flat tires. <laughs> oh, now, don't get upset, Lorene. Junior's all right. I sent him out to the hen house to get some eggs. I'll go out and see what's keeping our little inspiration for gray hairs. Junior! Junior! I'm in here, Nemo. Come on, kiddo. Nest four. Nest four. <laughs> what's keeping you? Junior! Hmm? What are you doing sitting on that nest? I'm a babysitter for one of the hens. <laughs> she went out to stretch her widow legs, and I'm a stand-in for the sit-in. Now stop acting silly and get down from there. Okay. <clears throat> hey, Nemo, when the eggs is hatched, you suppose the baby chicks will look like me? Oh. <laughs> what a stupid thought. <laughs> oh, what a horrible thought. <laughs> Why did you lock that chicken in a cage? It was gold picking. It wouldn't lay any eggs. I've been watching it but for a Junior, week. Junior, it's a rooster. I don't care if he's a Democrat. He's doing it. where's the hen that's supposed to be in that second nest? I threw her out. I told her to hit the road. I said, get out of here. But we don't want you in here disrupting the other chickens. Get away. But why? I heard somebody say she was a Rhode Island red. So I just <laughs> I don't want to eat no subversive omelets, boy, I don't. Now, Junior, 20 minutes ago, I sent you out to get some eggs. Why didn't you come right back? Well, I put me football down to pick up the eggs, see, and the old rooster came over and he took one look at that football and he looked and he looked and he called all the hens together and he says, come here, girls, come here. He says, now, I don't know who laid this baby, but let's not carry inflation to extremes. <laughs> Absurd ideas. Uh, when I was your age, I always did what I was told. You had to, or the pilgrims would have put you in a stockade. <laughs> you got the eggs? Yeah. In my pocket. In your pocket? Yeah. Which one? The wet one. <laughs> Don't you know if you put eggs in your pocket, they'll break? I found that out when I sat down. <laughs> oh, here comes Mommy. Hi, kiddo. Hello. Mother, what's keeping you? Your son broke the eggs I sent him after. Oh, well, I'll get a couple for you, Mother. And now, my little buckaroo, you come in and at the house with me. No, no, here, let go of me here. Let go of me here. You make me look like Dumbo. Do you realize that by fooling around, you've kept me from baking that birthday cake? Birthday cake? Is it me birthday again? No, it isn't your birthday again. Well, you don't have to get nasty about it. <laughs> your birthday was only a couple of months ago. Yeah. Now, don't you remember your cake? Yes, but I didn't eat any of it. What an insult. Whoever heard tell of a birthday cake made in the form of skull and crossbones? <laughs> Who's this one for? Uh, this Aunt one Edna? is... Aunt no. Edna's birthday, too. Yes, I know, dear. But this one is for your grandfather. Oh, boy, I never forget the last time you lit the candle, seven people was overcome by heat. Junior, how old do you think your grandfather is? I don't know, but I'll bet he would know if this man who claims to be Jesse James is or not. You know Jesse James is still alive? No. not no surprise to me. I knew he was a lie all along. Oh, yeah, only I thought he was a used car dealer. <laughs> oh, I'm a shun. <laughs> hey, how come he's so old? Oh, I so... don't know. But age doesn't matter, Junior, as long as he's well-preserved. Well, now, that's the sneakiest way of saying somebody's pickled I ever heard. <laughs> 
that up, I will spank you. Yeah, you much as leave your fingerprint on me, I gotta tell it on you. You tell what? I tell plenty. I'm in a nasty mood tonight. <laughs> I tell everybody that you was George Washington's babysitter. Why, that's ridiculous. Oh, it is, yes. it is. Hey, Verna, little George has got a hatchet. George Washington, you get away from that cherry <laughs> Jumping on top of the bookcase. Now I got to find out what it is. I'll just climb up the shelf here and find out what it is. I'll put the book there. Now I made it to the top of the bookcase, all right? Now look for that stuff. Junior! Uh oh, here comes me letdown. Junior, where are you? Up here on the bookshelf. Good heavens! Don't you know that bookcase might topple over and you'd fall on your head? Mm. And then I'd have to put all those books back. Yes. <laughs> What are you doing up there? Well, Grandpa hid something up here, and I'm trying to find it. Oh, here it is. A bottle with a picture of a panther on it. Maybe it's perfume. Perfume, she says. Perfume is for smelling. This stuff makes you stinking. Okay, catch it, catch it. Oh, throw it back. I'll try again. Now look what you did. The bottle smashed and spilled all over the floor. Yeah, eat the hole in the rug. Junior, you come down from there. No, no, I'm afraid to come down. I might get hurt. Nonsense. I'll be right here. That's what I mean. Jump, Junior. I'll catch you. Okay, here I come. Well, wait until I say ready. Now she tells me. I'll bet you made my cake fall. Oh, let's go see. Let's all go right, see. all right, but okay. walk softly. Okay, we walk slowly now. Go ahead. Careful oh, now. Oh, oh, I'll open the oven. Oh, did the cake up or down? Let's see. I haven't got my glasses. Well, let me take a look inside the oven here. Oh, boy. Oh. Well, how's the cake? Don't taste bad at all. Junior! <laughs> here, you run along. Can I lick the icing bowl? No. I want a licky icing bowl. I never oh. get a licky icing bowl. Oh Everything gets God. licked around here but the oh, icing. Anything. Anything to keep peace in the house. Go ahead and lick away. Okay. Hold on. Wait, I'll take it easy. At the rate you're going, we'll have to have your tongue ready. Junior. That's enough now. Junior, I said that's enough. I Junior, can't, stop. I can't stop. My tongue is on automatic. <laughs> part of that cake is done. I think I smell something burning. Yeah, I does. I take a look at the widow cake and see how it does. I just open up the oven here. Well, look at that. Where did it go? What happened to the cake? He was there and now he not... Oh, jeepers. What am I going to tell Namor now? Oh, goodness me. I know. I'll tell her. No, she'll never believe that. How could I get a steamroller in the oven? Maybe I'll just throw it away. I'll just throw it away. That's what Junior, I do. Junior, what are you doing with that cake? <laughs> Lorene, will you come in here and see what your son has done? No, He's no. ruined my cake. No, well, don't. that settles it. Let's come go. here to me. Now, no. I'm going to give you a good spanking. No, no, no. I'd like to see you do it. Oh, you would, would you? Yes, Well, I watch would. this. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. You wanted to see me do it. Are you satisfied? No, because my back was turned. <laughs> 
Sir Walter Raleigh, the pipe tobacco that rates superior on all five counts. Check them. A rich, ripe, full-bodied, burly blend. Sir Walter Raleigh, pipe tobacco. Mellowed with rum for extra smoothness. Deep down, satisfying goodness. That's Sir Walter Raleigh, pipe tobacco. Clean smoking all the way down. No soggy heel. Leaves only a clean, dry ash. And that's Sir Walter Raleigh, pipe tobacco. Crimp cut for slow, even, cool burning. Yes, Sir Walter Raleigh, pipe tobacco. The brand of Grand Aroma. Keeps home, sweet home. It's Sir Walter Raleigh, sooner or later your favorite tobacco. Yes, a favorite with college men, servicemen, businessmen. Men everywhere who know and appreciate quality pipe smoking. Smoke Sir Walter Raleigh, the quality pipe tobacco of America. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.